Welcome to the Get Out There and Get Known podcast. Join Pam Perry, veteran PR strategist, Emmy award-winning producer and publisher of Speakers Magazine, who will show you how to crack the code in getting out there to get known. Each week, she either interviews her media friends, PR colleagues, or she just goes solo, offering you strategies on publicity, publishing, and platform building. So listen up to hear how to get booked on media places and on superstar stages. Now, here's your host, Pam Perry. Hey, welcome to Get Out There, Get Known podcast. I am introducing something new. Uh, We're going to get to our show in a minute, but we're introducing something new today, and it is a um, speaker of the week. Get out there, get known. Speaker of the week is Judge Leonia Lloyd. I personally know Judge Leonia Lloyd. She was a teacher at Cass Tech High School where she taught drama. Her and her twin sister both were teachers at the same time. The other twin was uh, teaching at reference. She was teaching at Cass. But they were into drama and they they were actually, before they even became teachers and uh, graduated from Wayne State University, they were models. And they also were speakers. They were the commencement speakers at their school. And they just always had this sparkle about them. Her twin sister passed suddenly in in 2005, which caused her to write the book, Your Honor, Your Honor, A Restorative Justice, A Journey Through Grief. But one of the things that went after she finished teaching at Cass Tech, she went forward and she began teaching, uh, went to law school. They went to law school. They they managed entertainment uh, acts like Motown and radio personalities like Mojo. Then she went on and they ran for judge. They were the first sitting twins on the bench at the same time, featured in Ebony Magazine and Shed and Michigan Chronicle and those kind of things. And she's recently her book has won many awards and she's now doing the. Um, PBS special and about her book, uh, Your Honor, Your Honor. You can find out more about Judge Lloyd. She's a great speaker. Anybody would love to have her. She has stories after story that will have you crying and laughing all in the same time. But you can go to JudgeLianaLloyd.com, JudgeLianaLloyd.com, and find out more about this amazing lady who is really making her mark on not just the city of Detroit, but on, on around the country. So that's JudgeLianaLloyd.com. We are now going to have a guest today, Christy Taylor, who I have known for a minute. And she is a radio legend, radio icon, media girl, radio girl. Uh, but she's going to tell us a little bit about her background, just all in the arts, really. That's really her main thing. She's just been in a lot of the arts. So I'll read you a little bit of her formal bio here because she is one of those people that you really kind of get to know. All right. So Christy Taylor. Uh, you got to know a little bit about Christy, that she is a creative force and she has mastered the worlds of music, media, film and entertaining. I think I probably ran into Christy probably in early 2000s, I would think. Um, I definitely she works with uh, people that uh, rise in gospel stars like uh, Judy uh, McAllister and Vanessa Bell Armstrong, Fred Hammond, John P. Key. So. One of the things that I work with a lot of Christian authors. So I found Christy doing what she was doing back in early 2000s. Um, While music was her first love, she also went into the radio. And we'll talk about her radio career. But she also um, is an Oral Roberts University uh, major there, got her bachelor's degree in drama and TV. And then she went on and got an MFA, a master's in fine arts, in 
professional screenwriting from National University. So she has a lot of things going on. But one of the things right now is she helps people with their media. She helps them with their branding. Uh, she is really like a max out media trainer, brand strategist, storyteller, just really helping people craft their stories because she is a storyteller. She has a Christy Taylor show, which is her TV podcast. And I just really love and adore Christy Taylor. So with that, I bring up Christy. Yay. <laughs> Here we go. We got, we got the things going on here. Bam. Wow. I totally love it. First of all, Pam, thank you for uh, sharing the highlights of my life. And I, I, I would hate to say, Pam, that you've actually known me just a little taste longer than the 2000s. We really have to take it back to the late 1990s. Was that in Detroit? Yes. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes so ma'am. Before the, this is before the internet. <laughs> yes, before the internet. Yes, that's why when you were saying that, I was like, Ooh, actually, we have to add a few more years, Pam." Uh, yes, we met while I was briefly. We briefly met while I was living in Detroit, right when I was about to head back to Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, I'm grateful for the internet because once the internet happened, we reconnected. So uh, definitely, yeah, we've been knowing each other since, the, as, as the young folks so, say, since the 1900s. Since the 1900s. Yes, since since the 1900s, because I think you were working at WJLB at the time. Yes, and I met you through uh, Portia. Yes, yes, which is Dr. Portia Lockett. Yes, she is. Yes, that's really, right. She's Dr. Lockett. Dr. Portia Lockett. She has definitely been in Speakers Magazine as well, getting out there, getting known. But that is true. And actually just got back from a trip with her because she had a birthday. So we were in Punta Cata, uh, you know, having a, a, a whole, a whole a birthday. Uh, Cause last year, you know, we couldn't celebrate birthdays because of the thing, mm -hmm. but this year we decided that, okay, we're going to make sure that we do this before they shut everything down again. So yes, that is <laughs> good. Yes. People stay connected. And so I've been yes. seeing you Christy over the years, just doing, um, so many good things, evolving, growing. Yeah. Uh, I just appreciate you. Every time I would pitch you some um, uh, different authors and things like that, if they were a fit with your show, you would um, have them on your show as guests and things like that with your radio show. So tell us about, I know radio, you were, when I met you were on radio and then you moved to um, Tennessee and you were on radio. So give us a little bit of background of your career because what I tell people all the time is that people who are in media, they are committed to the media because they love it, but it is a lot of movement. A lot of times you have to move to different markets and it's, it's very volatile. Um, very volatile. People who are always in media. They're, they're not like, okay, I'm going to stay here for 20, 30 years or whatever, even though you were there for a long time, but kind of give us a little bit of your career path of how you ended up in radio and as an award-winning radio host. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, Pam, I, I want to roll it back to prior to us meeting in Detroit. Um, and you did mention Or Roberts University. And I have to say that my life has been a zigzag. So I didn't do anything by a linear pattern at all. Um, I actually was a communication major the first time straight out of high school. But because I also had a strong pathway into the music industry, I actually in the 80s, um, left school prematurely or Roberts University prematurely and moved to Detroit. And that's when the gospel scene was really, really big in Detroit, the late 80s into the early 90s. And so I actually was in the music scene, but it was in Detroit that I got back on my real path of communications 
ended up at WJLB in a clerical position because I was like, when I was in the music industry, I was like, this is not my life. This is my brother's life. These are my friend's life, but it didn't fit for me. You know, even though I had some studio um, background singing, you know, live, but radio really was my heart. And it was in Detroit. I always have to say Detroit was where I got back on track. And working at WJLB in the clerical position where I met, who is now Dr. Portia Lockett, um, and also some amazing people. That's really when I learned in my 20s the importance of purpose. So mm -hmm. it was at that point that I was like, I want to do radio, which led me eventually back to Memphis, where Memphis has been so kind to me. So from the late 90s up until um, the the early, I said 20, since so about 20 years, I was different radio stations in Memphis. Um, Cause actually mm -hmm. I did gospel radio. I did okay. um, for several years for a small mom and pop radio station, was out of radio for a couple of years. And the most creative thing I was doing was writing letters. Uh, and eventually a friend of mine who I had met when I first came back from Memphis and worked for a station, um, that's when Clear Channel, everybody remember Clear Channel yes. started buying yes. up a lot of stations and they came into the Memphis market and bought up several and uh, became a conglomerate. And a friend of mine brought me back into it. I did part-time radio and gospel uh, for AM 990 The Light, which was also mm -hmm. connected to Sheridan Broadcasting in Atlanta. Um, then, you know, of course, but I was in the Memphis market. Then I remember when um, Clear Channel was doing a lot of reconstructing um, and Doc Winters was, I think, the national uh, programming um, director at that time of, of Clear Channel urban and they had come into the memphis market and they started renaming a lot of the stations and the touch station turned over to v101 which is a variety station and they ended up moving me from our am gospel to the um, sunday morning show that's when they started making gospel on fm am no fm and am stations started putting gospel on their sunday mornings on their fm dial and i was that personality for the urban ac station and eventually, for those who really, really know radio, you'll remember early 2000s when they introduced in Clear Channel the Hallelujah FM brand. And I always have to say, yeah. for those who don't know, um, Bruce Demps, I got to give Bruce Demps, who was our market, he was over our market as our general manager, and who, of course, would later become a senior VP of both Clear Channel and then eventually Radio One. And he's now doing amazing things as well. But he guided a lot of my career and he made me the very first talent for Hallelujah FM. Uh, because yeah. actually, when he moved me to V101 to do Sunday mornings mm -hmm. on V101, um, for, I'll say right around the time the 9 11 happened, I just kind of remember my career kind of was the early, I had made it into radio back in around 1999, about 2000, 2001 was when I went to V101. And around 2001 as well, I was also the local producer for the Tom Jordan Morning Show. But somewhere around in that time, um, Bruce Demps made a decision based on some, some data that they had collected from the success of my FM show, the Gospel FM show on V101.1, that they would launch the Hallelujah FM brand. I'm giving you all that story because that really taught me how important it was to really stick to your faith, first and foremost, but also to really strive to be as professional in your genre. Because really what I had done is I had studied a lot of, remember back at WJLB, Urban Station, literally taking a lot of that pop and polish approach to radio uh, mm -hmm. to really kind of propel me 
in the gospel inspirational space. So I will say that I, I definitely have had a lot of success doing inspiration, uh, inspirational radio. And I will just say that around 2009, I'm trying to, I'm trying to jump because we have so much to cover that that really became my, my story from 99 to 2009. I actually was a nine eighty of the light V one hundred one Hallelujah film, and then I co wrote a movie, and that takes us to another path. Oh my God! <laughs> so, so I always say this. This is one of the things Chrissy always say that God doesn't waste anything. So you were in Detroit. You met. You saw from the administrative, even the administrative side, you saw the importance of sales. You saw the importance of yes. marketing. You saw obviously music. You saw the programming. You saw it all. So obviously from that of the operations of how to run the station. But then music was your love as well. Then you also went to ORU. So obviously knowing if you're running a, a gospel station or you're running the, the whole show, you know all about that and how to just really, um, you were like a forefront in that because really always gospel was tip, typically always on the AM dial, yes. not really so much on the FM. So you had to really bring that whole quote unquote light to that and make it interesting, make it fun. But you knew the music because you, you, you studied it and all that kind of stuff. So God doesn't waste anything. Everything in your path has led up to this particular purpose. And so at this point, was um, the film inspiration from maybe Tyler Perry's success? Was the film inspiration from some of the big Christian movies? I think probably the time The Passion of Christ that came out and people realized like, oh my God, Christian movies. Who would have thought that that would be a big thing, right? So where did the- Well, where I have it? to tell you, Pam, I, I, once again, because, you know, oh wait, I'm really dating myself. My inspiration for film really came in the 90s. Um, it would be when we were starting to see um, right after the whole when Mar Harry met Sally stuff and you started starting to see a lot of black romance, Love mm -hmm. Jones, Poetic Justice. You know, John Singleton was really strong, you know, um, yes. and right when a lot of black independent filmmakers, Master P, Ice Cube, and the studio system was beginning to break down. So a lot of filmmakers and screenwriters who have been doing plays. Now, I will say Tyler Perry was still on the Chitlin circuit, as we say, and mm -hmm. Memphis um, Fred Jones of the Southern Heritage Classic, uh, fresh, uh, he had definitely, Summit Management was very, very instrumental in, in Tyler Perry, but Tyler hadn't blown up yet. But a lot of us was already seeing the cracks in the Hollywood system, and I focused on, because I've always been a storyteller, from even when I was, the one track people don't know, is the entire time I was doing radio, I was still a poet. I still oh. would sing on the side. I know I had done a little light songwriting and I toyed with writing plays and movies, but nothing serious because once I really got my foot in the door in radio, that was my focus. But my pastime is I would go to movies as my way to decompress. My weekends mm -hmm. would be binge watching movies before Netflix and would just go to the movie theater Saturday, Sunday, sometime Friday, and spend the whole weekend decompressing if I wasn't doing a remote, if I wasn't emceeing a program, I was in the movie theater. So when the opportunity was presented to me by uh, an associate of mine who was a local producer who had been doing a lot of stage plays, mm -hmm. he wanted to convert a stage play idea into a movie. And oh. I had a little, I had in college before I did the dropout the first time, <laughs> I had taken a screenwriting class. Right. I had taken a screenwriting right. class. I had also done some theater. And I knew story elements. I knew writing. I knew, you know, under, had a strong grasp. And I converted a stage play into a movie. And uh, that began my path 
while at the height of my career. And uh, also have to say I was hitting my 40s. So people said I had a midlife crisis. I decided <laughs> to say, <laughs> I was like, well, I've been doing radio for so long. Music was my first love. I had done stage work, um, you know, locally. And here I was, I'm like, I'm in my 40s, midlife crisis, and saying, when are you going to get to television and film? When are you going to fully express all of that creativity? Because I said, I'm a poet. I'm a closeted visual artist. Uh, there's just a lot of art in me. And right. I literally um, took a leap of faith and went back to school to major in drama, TV, and film and pursued an MFA in professional screenwriting. Because even though I was a produced screenwriter, I decided to take it seriously because I had already had a successful radio career, but it's like, there's a part of us. And I, and I hope I speak to someone who understands the power of reinventing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still constantly in a, in a state of evolution um, where I never want to be satisfied with the status quo for me, not someone else. Right. For me, right. I never want to just rest on the laurels because I feel based on my faith that God is constantly expanding us that there's a seed of greatness that I'm responsible for um, developing and presenting to the world. So um, I ended up with a credit on a film as an early writer, um, pursued, thank you very much. Um, I did pursue myself, my, put myself in that position to learn even more about television writing and film writing. Um, but when I tell you that it was short, the, 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 my, I made it as far as LA. <laughs> I'll just push forward. By the mid 2000s, um, well, around 2012, actually, I had made it as far as LA, and I'm like, "Woo! I'm about to totally that's, like dive that's the into the of, of, of films." Right, right. Yeah, but Pam, I have to tell you, um, once my mom hit her 80s, that pull back across the Mississippi came, mm -hmm. and I found myself back in Memphis after leaving my radio career, after going back to college as a non-traditional student, and make and putting my toe in the water of Hollywood. Um, I was then, you know, pulled back for family reasons back to Memphis. And I'm like, Lord, what? Mm -hmm. Really? Like New York, LA <laughs> is where That's the work is. is. Right. Yeah. And Atlanta was starting to rise and Nashville is getting a little taste, but Memphis um, being home, even though I was Washington DC born, I always have to say that um, the West Tennessee was my, you know, where I grew up. But Pam, let me tell you, that when I came back home, I'm like, how am I gonna use all, like you said, nothing is wasted. Mm -hmm. So um, I have to say that coming back in 2013, 2014, it really put me back in radio, but this time I was no longer doing gospel radio in the same market that people knew me for gospel. I started doing urban AC love songs overnight okay. and eventually doing the midday between the time, um, between Steve Harvey and D.L. Hughley on uh, Cumulus Radio's W yes, um WRBO. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. but once again, utilizing all the things that I'd learned, I now find myself, and I think you've been showing Christy Taylor Consulting, that I am now able to pull all the things that I knew from my music career, from doing mm -hmm. radio for a hundred years, <laughs> from producing, you know, being a, a produced screenwriter to mm -hmm. understanding the impact that visual content and digital media. Yes. I now literally mm -hmm. help people. Mm -hmm with podcasts, show development, consulting them on industry strategies, and what you say about getting yourself in the know, utilizing all of your platforms, websites, mm -hmm. social media, to put yourself out there in a higher visibility. 
It now, is. Now, of course, we're, I'll, I'm going to let you talk because I have so much we can say on, on that. But I, I think I've kind of sandwiched my uh, life. <laughs> no, that, is, that is exactly it because it is all things art. And so you were born for such a time as this because remember when we first started, there was no like, there was no internet, right? So we met, it was pre-internet. And then you just really, you talked about evolving. And I want to know, let people know that we always have to evolve when technology changes. We have to roll with it. So we're in the age of TikTok. We're in the age of StreamYard. We're in the age of LinkedIn Live. Uh, all of the skills that you're using, uh, your film. Okay, so now you have your show maybe on Roku, Amazon Fire, uh, all the OTT platforms, right? That is... At this point, then we got streaming, we got Netflix, we got Hulu, you know, we could do all of these things. So the options are more. You have more options to put your content because that's really what you're doing. You're you're helping people share their story, but they have to put it in a way where their audiences are. And so if the, the audience are broken down, they're very micro. So someone who watches Roku may not watch Netflix or someone who watches Netflix may not watch you know, Hulu or whatever. So you have all these different areas that you can do. And I find that if I had to do something over again, Chrissy, I probably would do more video, more film. Like you said, it's like, it was always like a first love. And then we kind of switch over into it since I'm in PR and I do public relations. That's part of it. So obviously I pitch and things like that to the media and I know a good story, but Today, if you are a, a speaker, definitely you need to use video. You need to use video podcasting. You need to really use Instagram Live, all the live platforms. Those are just the things that are the norm now. And what do you see like in the future? Okay, so people are doing films and they're doing short films. And there's like the Disney Plus, the BET Plus, and the such and such plus. It's like... Okay. All the pluses. All it's the like pluses. who's watching all of these things. So where do you see uh, the the opportunities maybe for you and especially those that are uh, want to make an impact like in for their ministry? So there's there was Ooh. the word network. And at one point in time, remember the word network where that was the only place where you could watch ministry TV. Well, COVID hit and all the churches were ministry TV because they were streaming. <laughs> so it was like... I could go to any church anywhere because every Sunday they're streaming on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. So what do you see is like next for um, really like the next thing you're going to dig into in 2022? In 2022, actually, it's interesting that you brought up ministries. And if anybody pays attention to my life, I am definitely that church girl who grew up in the Baptist and Pentecostal circle and charismatic and always had that had my bulk of my radio career was in the Christian gospel circuit. And even now I'm finding, I will say this, Pam, what would be one thing I would do differently? I would speak more. I did not follow my speaker's heart. Well, we'll get to that though. We'll get to that. But one of the things that I'm finding is that a lot of women and a lot of ministries are drawn to me because of my media acumen and because I have done um, television and film writing that they feel comfortable coming to me as a consultant and coach saying, Christy, how can I put my ministry in the digital or online space? How can I better present myself? Yes. Because many of them may have a, one thing that I found that was so interesting, a lot of pastors, particularly in the uh, black church, I'll say that particularly, they have always been the pastor of their church and their church has been their, their public persona. 
But one of the things, and maybe somebody can out there know, testify to this, in the pandemic, you really saw the split between the leadership and the congregant, meaning that the pastor to have longevity, they had to begin to present themselves as individuals in the media or the digital yeah. media space. I remember when yeah. uh, T.D. Jakes, you know, break, broke away and started putting himself out as a pastor separate from the Potter's House. A lot of people in the in the faith community is like, what is he doing? But of course, me having been around a lot of charismatic ministries, they have been doing that for eons of mm -hmm. having their their identity separate from their ministry for two reasons. Number one, the money, the checks, honey, right. keep, yeah. the, keep them checks separate. Um, but also because sometimes things that you want to move into as far as ministry doesn't necessarily line up with your church as a conglomerate. So mm -hmm. I'm finding like one of my most recent clients is a pastor of an AME church and she wanted to stay connected to her church for Bible study. So we launched her an audio podcast. You can check it out. She just launched it. Um, I typically teach people how to be self-sufficient. So if you come to me, Pam, I'm not saying I'm going to put your podcast together. I teach you how to do this. Yes. And I like to do low cost, no cost um, development because most people can invest in a lot of equipment. But how can you utilize the services, the apps, the platforms like StreamYard, YouTube mm -hmm. to get your message out and do it professionally, not just old school <laughs> Hey y'all, how y'all doing? You know, like we gonna open up the Bible. No, no but literally looks like a TV show. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So for her, um, if you go to Spotify or Anchor, you can actually listen to her new podcast called God Hears, and that's um, Pastor Reverend Linda Evans of an AME Church. But I also have somebody else who is also in ministry, who is female, uh, a female leadership, and she's always been a writer literally wrote for one of the black papers here. I said, well, for you, wow. Pam, I would be like, well, you need to go, go down the path and she's published some books. I said, let's focus on your blog. So literally customizing where should you live in the digital space needs to also yeah. be, in my opinion, um, true to your nature. Now for me, public speaking, I've done it, but Pam hit me on the wrist because I did not max it out. I didn't max it out. So now I should be in a better space you know, candidly saying, you know, I, but I shied away from a lot of public speaking because I was so comfortable in radio hidden in a room with a microphone. Well, and I definitely did not put, and I didn't push myself. In, yeah. And I didn't push myself in the video space. Um, but now the push is there where yeah. I have to do more public speaking. I have to be seen and heard. Um, so I would advise a person. Right. Correct. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, one of the main things when uh, ministries, it used to be when I started my company, Ministry Marketing Solutions in 2000, it was like ministries were like, well, it's just a ministry, so it doesn't have to look a certain way. It's just ministry. Mm -hmm. But I said, is if it's ministry, it really should be at the top because you're the benchmark, right? You're the one that has to really bring people to you. You have to shine a, a larger light in order to really bring people to you. So why would you look less than something else? I said, so your production, the presentation, the mindset even is like you should brand better. So I'm glad you said that because a lot of times it, I will look at things for ministry or churches and it's so raggedy and it's like, why is it like that? And because they said, oh, well, we get a pass. No, you don't get a pass. 
You don't, you don't get, get a pass. pass. When you have all the tools here to make everything look very professional, especially if you want to bring in young people, because they're so used to seeing things that look a certain way. So if it looks bad, they're not going to, to really come to your church, partake in your ministry and all of that sort of thing. Find the book. So, so blogging, podcasting, um, video, um, there's Clubhouse. Are you are a Clubhouse fan as well? How do you feel about the, the social I say, I need to be celebrated. I just received my notification that I've been on Clubhouse for one year. There you okay? go. Okay, my oh, one year anniversary. But can I conf- make a confession that okay. I actually jump on podcasts through my iPad, but once everybody jumped on through Android, I find out so many people fell off. I was like, why are y'all hating on Android? Because I have an Android phone. Right, right. <laughs> But I and, have an and, iPad and, as a tablet. But I will say that um, Clubhouse has to be, and I, and honestly, I introduced some pastor friends, and I have a cousin who's a bishop in St. Louis. And and um, can can I just say this? Yes, I think Clubhouse is a very necessary tool. Every social media platform is a necessary tool. But can we talk about the elephant in the room, Pam? Because we're talking about slick and polish. We're talking about being attractive. Um, every platform online digital real estate has a energy to it or a Mm -hmm. flow. Um, Mm -hmm. But can we talk about if you are going to venture into platforms, make sure you rise to the level of that platform. I find that a lot of people who are doing ministry on Clubhouse are still very much um, in a, the doors of the church are open. Come on in. (laughs) That's not Clubhouse culture. No, <laughs> that's not Clubhouse culture. No. I think that when when Clubhouse first started, Pam and I, you know, you, we know this, that we had people on there who were dropping gems, helping people improve their personal life, their business life. And yes. I think that the church, I think a lot of church people are missing an opportunity to really speak to the to the everyday life and really providing professional and business and spiritual support in clubhouse as opposed to just the doors of the church are open. So how could a church, in your opinion, flip the script in clubhouse to really take their ministry opportunities, digital ministry opportunities to the next level? What would you suggest? They have to really make sure that they have those right titles of those rooms. So it's not just about like who am, you know, like this is such and such church and, you know, I'm, I'm inviting everybody to my room. No, it's like, you know, how to handle grief during the holidays or, how to make the best year for 2022 or, you know, you know, health and wealth work together as well as spirit, soul, and body, you know, something like that. That's just generally have a conversation with people so that you could take, you could, they could go through the whole book of Proverbs and, and people won't even know they're going through the whole book of Proverbs, that's but just true. even wisdom every single day for 30 days. It don't have to be on every day, but at least once a week, you can go over money and finances, faith and finances. People will clamor to how to how to build wealth God's way. I mean, so, you know, they, we it's like, okay, we know about Jesus. Okay, we got that. So give us some lifestyle tips from the Bible that the pastor has seen or insight that maybe comes from the book of Proverbs and, and, and finances and how to raise kids, you know, because, you know, how to deal with um, yeah. or calamity. I mean, that's just... It's just the conversations of the room. The titles have to be what I call less churchy and just more like regular people, like regular people talking to regular people in a clubhouse conversation. It's, it's really you bring people up to stage so they can actually hear what people are dealing with. 
Like, what are the people dealing with? And Damn they you, it. honey, that's a class right there. We need to jump on Clubhouse <laughs> with that right there. Yes. Right yes. there. Yes, because faith and finances, I think, is really one of the main things. It has so many um, mindsets about that. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not going to really talk about money. It doesn't really matter. Uh, yes, it does. That's one of the reasons why we will will be able to excel and do things like StreamYard and, and do all these things. I mean, so it's, you got you have to have a little bit of coins in order to do some of these things. So that is we should. Oh, we should do can that. we? Okay, so Pam, since we're having an honest conversation, let's talk about StreamYard. Let's talk about going live. Now, going back to the point on how to get out there and get known. If you are nonprofit, solopreneur, creative entrepreneur, a church, ministry, whatever, where you're helping the world, make sure you invest in the tools. Make sure you invest in the tools. I think that one of the things that when some people jump on a lot, unless you're doing a personal check-in, you know, hey, I'm just checking in on Facebook Live or Instagram or going on the reel. That's one thing. But when you're about to, in my opinion, as a professional in media, say I'm about to present God, positive thought, you know, support to the community, nonprofit push, package yourself in such a way that a person would not know a difference between you and the red table talk with Jada Pinkett and her family. <laughs> really true. invest in the tools like just like right now, if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn, you see where Pam, Dr. Pam, has invested in StreamYard and she's invested in the branding mm -hmm. and also being able to properly present it to you in a way like, oh, this is attractive. I'm going to sit and watch it for a few moments. I think that this is so important yeah. and, and segue into nonprofits. Um, one of the things that I have a burning desire which is my 2022 to your, to your question, 2022 for me is going to be about launching, changing my consulting service to more course based business. The uh -huh. pandemic technically has really pushed me into a space in my life where I want to train more. I want to teach and train 30, 40, I'm going to say 30, 40 years. I've been in, in I've been in the game since I was a teenager, but, um, I want to teach people how to do it right. So if you're entering into this space, music, media, television and film, how can you start from an advantage? Um, even if you're a nonprofit and you need to learn how to sell your organization, get those donations, get that service out to the community, and you need to be competitive. One of the things is I want to train people and teach people how to maximize media opportunities. And Pam, I know you can speak to this, where you can get it for the low or the free. There are so many ways that you can position yourselves like the St. Jude's or these billion dollar nonprofits who know how to get the free advertising, the free sponsorships because they mm -hmm. package themselves. Can we talk about that real quick about how nonprofits can get that free PR? Well, I used to be the PR director for the Salvation Army. So that was one of the things we did newsletters. We did uh, celebrity bell ringing. We did um, all kinds of different things where obviously a story. So stories are what sells. So what has a nonprofit done? that is newsworthy? What is that human interest story? What is that thing that pulls at your heartstring? You know, Salvation Army, they gave away uh, toys and all that kind of thing. And, and, and you know, if, if there was a hurricane, the Salvation Army was on the scene. It's not like they're doing it for the publicity, but if they are doing it, they should get the publicity. So that's one of the main things. So it's always yeah. about, like, if people are investing their money in the nonprofit, then the, the person who's invested just wants to know, what are you doing with the money? 
not only yes. do the donors want to know, but then you should let the media know so that the media can then broadcast that message out to other people and say, well, you know, I have a choice. I want to give away so much money. Am I going to give it to the Goodwill, the Salvation Army? Am I going to give it to big brothers, big sisters? I mean, so depending on whose story bubbles to the top, it doesn't have to always be the front page story, but whose story bubbles to the top, whose story is mm -hmm. most visual for television, who is most consistent. So as when I was a PR director for the Salvation Army, we had to pitch stories every single week. So it was it was easy because they always had good stories. But yes. most nonprofits like pitch a story every week. Yeah, yeah, you should. You should be able to, if, if you're raising millions of dollars, you should be able to find one good story every single week that what your nonprofit has done. And if you yes. can't, you're going to be out of business. So we well, are can like I say this too, Pam? Yeah. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I said I want to move more into a course-based training. Um, my heart is with nonprofits. And you're talking about those United Ways, those Salvation Armies, those Red Cross, those major organizations that know how to get out here and get their message consistently out. But can we speak just a second? And, I, and I'm just going to say my heart is there. That small startup nonprofit that is in the trenches and you're doing grassroots work and you're like, but I can't compete with United Way or Salvation Army. Yes, you can. If you also write that same press release, if you have just literally helped somebody who had a burnout in their house and you just totally, you know, help them move to another apartment or get them a car, help them with furniture. That is a story that I, as a radio personality who did many, many, many years of public interest stories. I want to know that. And I oftentimes, real story, I'm going to get that PR uh, press release from Pam, who's a pro at it. But if you also send me a story on the same email or you um, as, as she is, I'm going to probably book you as well, if not before her, because I'm like, OK, Pam is good. She's going to get all the TV stations and all the radio stations. And you're probably going to get this one opportunity during the holiday season. So make sure, know that you can be equally as competitive to a large nonprofit, but you have to give us the stories to make me call you and say, yes, I want yes. you on my show. Yes. And, and I always tell a lot of speakers as well that, especially black speakers, African-American speakers, January and February is probably the time where most black speakers are going to be booked. Why? Because it'll start out with MLK Day, Right. So they'll need that keynote speaker for the MLK event, maybe for the corporation or whatever. And then we have the whole month of February of Black History Month. So I said, if you're not in gear to really know who to speak to in January and February, I don't know if you're going to. Then we kind of spill over a little bit Women's History Month in March. But at least the first quarter, most speakers are booked. Then you can go on if you're really good from those speaking engagements. You can then really it'll be around and people will, will will book you for the rest of the year if you do a good job so i always say you know make sure that you are in position to get booked in january and in february and in march if you're a black woman because those are like really months where you can really and and so there's so many ways i have a program called ready set go speak that really shows how to do that but one of the main things is like whoever is your benchmark in your field where have they spoken in the past they will only probably only have the same speaker, you know, that right. one time. So look and see where they went and then go behind them. It's not a competition at this point. You just want to go because if they like that person, they may like you. And so you just have to know how to pick yourself and make sure that you do that. And so 
wherever you you see someone who is like a benchmark or someone that you admire and said their 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 talks are very similar to mine is enough for everybody it's kind of like books i mean people read more than one book so people are going to want to listen to more than one speaker so it's like it's okay well dr it's pam okay. you have just dropped some gems for me because i told you the one thing that i wish i had done more consistently was really build out my public speaking. I always waited for somebody to say, hey, Christy, come over to my church, my organization, my school, but I didn't build out my speaker business. I even had somebody, you included, um, that tried to move me in that space. So I apologize for not following up earlier. <laughs> so well, you're gonna, we're gonna, gonna be talking, honey. But you're yes, gonna do it first now. Quarter 2022, first quarter 2022, <laughs> I wanna be on the circuit. So as a matter of fact, if you want somebody who's charismatic, has high energy. That's hit it. me up. Yes, hit me up. and also the big business too is emceeing. Emceeing people need an MC exactly. that can carry the program, and so you've done that, and so it's it's all over you that yes, I can carry it. If there's something that's gonna flub in the program, you can carry it because you know how to work with live programming. So yeah, that's another big opportunity as well as well as speaking. So. One of the things, like if you um, really love, I don't know, just one of my clients that was on uh, Speakers Magazine, you really love um, Dr. Sherwood. So Dr. Sherwood, yes. typically every every speaker lists where they have spoken, right? I, I do the same thing where I have spoken, you know, so you can look and see where I've spoken and then really look and see, well, who is the person that was over that particular event where Sherwood spoke and then really just pitch yourself because they had them, they like them, they may like you. Now you're not going to get yeses all the time, so you got to have thick skin. It's what you just talked about about knowing how to sell, but you just have to pitch yourself, and that's what that's one of the things that I teach is how to pitch yourself in ready, set, go, speak. How to do that because the person who sits on the sideline is just going to be sitting on the sideline. So you want to get out there and get known, and you want to be active with it. And it just mm -hmm. comes knowing that if I, I love if it, then I know. I well, Chris, love wow. you and adore you. Um, ChrissyTaylorConsulting.com. Uh, find out about her show. Thank you, Linda Gray, for uh, joining in our conversation today. She's over there on LinkedIn Live. But I just really want you um, people to know to follow you. Listen to the Christy Taylor Show. Follow her on Instagram. Follow her uh, on LinkedIn, obviously, and all that kind of stuff because she's doing wonderful work. And again, if you're looking for a speaker, uh, Christy Taylor is now opening the door for those opportunities as well. So that is one of the things as well. So I just want to thank you so much for joining Get Out There and Get Known Podcast. God bless. God bless. You've been listening to the Get Out There and Get Known Podcast brought to you by PamPerryPR.com where you'll get insider tips on how to build your platform, pitch the media, and promote yourself with confidence. Head over to PamPerryPR.com and get the exclusive video training on the seven must-have marketing materials you need before you pitch. In order to be considered in media places or superstar stages, PamPerryPR.com, where you help you shine like a superstar. <laughs>